local leaders, top stories, the news that matters most to you. The News Drive at 5 with host Patrick Reynolds starts now. Hello, happy Monday, everybody. Welcome to the News Drive at 5 for this Monday, February the 5th, 2024, 5.06 p.m. on the East Coast. We appreciate all of you tuning in right here to WSIC News Talk Radio. You just heard Local Biz Now with Joe Vagnone, where every Monday afternoon, your business matters. Local Biz Now, 4 p.m. here on WSIC News Talk. 4 p.m. every single Monday afternoon. He had guest host Elizabeth Colon in Ms. Fit One. Always a rotating guest host on Local Biz Now. Elizabeth did a great job today as Joe and the gang came from the Burner Cigar Studio, which is our Cornelius location for WSIC News Talk. If you want a little conversation and some lessons on entrepreneurship, local business, sales, WSIC is the place every Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the Family of Networks. A top five at five. News Drive at 5 stories that we are tracking this evening. The Mooresville Police Department is asking for help locating a teen runaway. A felony arrest took place in a dogfighting case. Cornelius has their town board meeting on tap for tonight. The voter deadline creeps closer for the March primaries. And there is hope for Josh's Farmer's Market long-standing case here in Mooresville. There's been ups, there's been downs. It seems like there may be a bright spot on the horizon for Josh's Farmer's Market. We'll talk to that tonight about the news drive at 5. We are giving away our our tickets. That continues on the big uh, Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show ticket giveaway, February 23, 24, and 25 at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. We've got Craig Conover from Bravo's hit series Southern Charm will be appearing on Friday, February 23rd and Saturday, February the 24th at the Expo, the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Expo. I've got a four-pack of winning tickets for you. We're going to give those away after our 545 commercial break this afternoon. 844-STUDIO-4, get you right in here to our Statesville studios to chat about the news. 844-788-3464. One more time, 844-788-3464. Phone lines are open if you'd like to chime in, weigh in on your opinion on the headlines of the day, and after 545, you can win the four-pack for the Charlotte Home in Remodeling Show ticket giveaway. Our top story tonight, Mooresville Police Department detectives are asking for the public's assistance in locating a runaway juvenile. Kendra Stafford, age 15, ran away from her family on January 31st and was last seen on South Sherrill Street in Mooresville. Despite the work of the Mooresville Police Department detectives, Stafford has not yet been located. Stafford is described as being 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighing approximately 135 pounds. With brown hair, Stafford may be in the Mooresville, Huntersville, or Troutman areas. If you have any information on Stafford's whereabouts or if you see her, contact the Mooresville Police Department. A Western Iredale County man suspected of playing a key role in illegal dogfighting faces 25 felony charges following an investigation by the Iredell County Sheriff's Office. 
Sheriff Darren Campbell announced the arrest of Claude Anthony Sanders, age 48, of Whitney Lane in Statesville. Iredell County Sheriff's Office investigators, along with members of the Sheriff's Emergency Response Team, executed a search warrant at Sanders' residence after conducting an investigation into illegal dogfighting. While executing the search warrant, investigators arrested Sanders and charged him with 24 counts of felony cruelty to animals, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and a misdemeanor drug charge. Investigators seized 25 dogs and located items used to train dogs to fight, medication and treatment supplies for injured dogs, marijuana, and a handgun. Campbell said, quote, the conditions that some of the dogs were found in were deplorable. A large number of the dogs were kept in outside kennels, and most of these were covered in feces and urine. Several of the dogs had obvious scar and facial injuries from previous dog fights. There were also signs of forced breeding and various exercise equipment to develop strength and stamina, which aid in dogfighting. Sanders was transported to the Iredell County Detention Center and was taken before Magistrate Nethkin, who issued a $200,000 secured bond. According to the Iredell County Sheriff's Office, Sanders' criminal history includes the following charges. Felony larceny of a motor vehicle, misdemeanor simple worthless check, driving while license revoked, misdemeanor possession of marijuana, and felony dogfighting and baiting. Well, tonight's Cornelius Town Board meeting will provide an early opportunity for citizens to speak out about the upcoming fiscal year 2025 town budget. The new budget will cover the 12 months beginning July 1st, 2024 and ending June 30th, 2025. It will fund town operational and capital projects throughout the fiscal year. Operational costs are those that recur annually, such as salaries and recreational items. Capital projects are large expenditures that may not recur annually, such as building a road. At the beginning of the annual budget development process, the town holds a public session to allow citizens to formally provide their input. Town manager Andrew Grant said the session provides an opportunity for taxpayers to influence the budget process before the draft budget has been developed. Property owners in Cornelius fund the budget mostly with property taxes. Generally, the town tax comprises about a third of the total property tax bill, with the remainder being county taxes. Also during this evening's meeting, the commissioners are expected to adopt a townwide resolution declaring February as Black History Month. A large number of special activities are planned during February. The town board meeting will take place at Town Hall on Catawba Avenue beginning at 6 p.m. It will also be live streamed on the town website, Cornelius.org. That is just a little bit more than 45 minutes from right now. Well, Josh's Farmer's Market, one of the community's oldest and most cherished small businesses, could be legal again. In its regular monthly meeting on Monday, the Commission Board is expected to vote on an ordinance to allow open-air agricultural markets. As an unconditional use, the indoor and outdoor agricultural markets will not be able to exceed 35,000 square feet in size, and at least a half mile must separate businesses with similar uses. Any market exceeding 10,000 square feet must have permanent structures, while smaller markets can operate only six months at a time. 
In February 2022, Town of Mooresville planners effectively wrote Josh's Farmers Market's long-standing business model out of town business. In October, at the same year, uh, Josh's Farmers Market continued to operate even after its town-issued permits had expired and the town refused to issue further permits. Threatening hefty fines against the Lowe's YMCA, where the market was situated, the town was finally able to force the market's closure on October 31, 2022. Since then, the farmer's market has operated as outdoor seasonal sales, packing up and moving to a different property every 120 days. The community responded by voting out essentially half the town board in last November's elections. The then town manager and planner left Mooresville, too. We've got more of your headlines coming up. We've got the big ticket giveaway later in the show. The News Drive at 5 rolls on, keeping you informed, keeping you in the loop. We'll talk to you right after the break. Welcome back to the News Drive at 5. Patrick Reynolds taking you home here on this Monday, February the 5th, 2024. 5.18 p.m. on the East Coast here on WSIC News Talk Radio. We are about 30 minutes away from our daily ticket giveaway for the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show. And if you're watching on our social media video feeds, I'm holding them up to the camera right there if you're checking it out. The Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show, February 23rd, 4th, and 5th at the Park Expo and Conference Center in good old Charlotte, North Carolina. Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series, Southern Charm, will be appearing Friday the 23rd and Saturday the 24th. Sounds like a very big, fun weekend down in Charlotte. We'll give away a four-pack of winning tickets to go to the show in less than 30 minutes from now. Back to the News Drive at 5 headlines tonight. A man was shot and killed by a Cherryville police officer after he allegedly assaulted officers on Sunday afternoon. A department press relief said officers who were responding to a civil disturbance call near West 2nd Street confronted the man who was allegedly causing a disturbance while walking down the road. The man fought the two officers, assaulting one of them and several times assaulting one of them several times before grabbing a pipe. An officer on the scene fired off a single shot. The suspect was taken to a nearby hospital from the scene by Gaston Emergency Medical Services, where he was pronounced dead. The the department said the suspect's name is being withheld until next of kin has been notified. The State Bureau of Investigations is now investigating the incident. The, The officers involved have been placed on administrative duties leave pending the completion of the investigation. In Raleigh, eligible North Carolinians who want to cast their ballot in person on primary election day, which is Tuesday, March the 5th, must register to vote by Friday, February 9th. That is the end of this week. February 9th is also the deadline for registered voters to change their party affiliation before the primary. Under state law, the regular voter registration deadline is 25 days before an election. Individuals who miss the deadline may register and vote during the in-person early voting period, which runs from February 15th through March 2nd at any early voting site in their county. These same-day registrants must attest to their eligibility and provide proof of where they live. 
North Carolina residents may not register to vote on Election Day unless they become eligible after the February 9th registration deadline due to becoming a U.S. citizen or having their rights restored following a felony conviction. Karen Bell, executive director of the State Board of Elections, said, quote, We encourage all eligible individuals to register to vote and make their voices heard in this important election year. It's easy, and there's still time to register online, on paper, or at any early voting location in your county, end quote. Now, eligible individuals have many options to register to vote before February 9th, including the following. If the individual has a North Carolina driver's license or other DMV identification, they may submit a voter registration application online. If an application is received after the deadline, it will be timely if it is postmarked on or before the deadline date. If you are using the paper application and registering to vote for the first time in your county of residence, you must mail or deliver a signed application to your county board of elections. Voters who need to update their existing voter registration may use the DMV online service or a North Carolina voter registration application. Registered voters may also update an existing registration except for their party affiliation at an early voting site during the early voting period. Those with a North Carolina driver's license or other DMV identification may update their residential or mailing address and party affiliation through the DMV online services, but may not change their name through that service. If using the paper application to update a registration, it must be signed and mailed to the voters' county board of elections by February 9th. Updates to name and address, if within the county, and party affiliation must be signed but can be provided by fax or email to your county board of elections. In Huntersville, plans for their new town hall are headed to a key public hearing. The financing plan for the four-story, 50,000-square-foot building, a critical element of the town's plan to encourage downtown development, will go before the Huntersville Board of Commissioners on Monday. Town documents show the plan includes issuing bonds that would not exceed $32 million to pay for the building. The commissioners will also consider a $30 million proposal from Edifice to build the town hall, which would be developed adjacent to the existing one on Huntersville Concord Road. Much like the town of Cornelius, the Huntersville board meeting is tonight in about 30 minutes from now. Well, C.J. Thompson of Troutman wrote in a letter to the Iredell Free Press, letting his feelings know on Troutman's proposed town hall. Reading his letter, C.J. Troutman of Trout, C.J. Thompson of Troutman, excuse me, the burden of oppressive municipal taxes that we are experiencing in the town of Troutman could be alleviated if we had a budget-conscious town manager or at least adequate budget supervision and oversight. Mr. Wyatt's comments on a local radio show last week about designing a building, a new multi-million dollar town hall in Troutman, raised red flags. Apparently, he has been traveling around the state with an architect touring towns with elite town hall structures. Why is this proposed excessive expenditure being allowed when there are much better options that would save taxpayer money? For example, the new North Fork Business Park in Troutman could be an ideal situation for Town Hall. The developer has indicated he can, quote, build to suit with adequate space ready to accommodate a Troutman Town Hall complex and 
with more feasible expenditures that would save on purchase of a more expensive property and expensive architectural fees. We need a practical and common sense approach to this proposed town hall. Troutman is overwhelmed with infrastructure needs. Our schools are overcrowded. Our roads are inadequate. Our utilities are inadequate. And overdevelopment is out of control. Why waste taxpayer money on a showplace when being fiscally responsible is the best practice for serving the needs of our citizens? That is written by C.J. Thompson of Troutman. Getting his opinion out there into the air or online, as the case may be, with the Iredell Free News. Your well, your opinions are welcome here on the News Drive at 5 as well. 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. Our listeners and our audience in Cornelius, in Huntersville, in Troutman, a lot of budget, a lot of money being tossed around, or being not being tossed around, but I should say being discussed right now. Towns are meeting. They are asking for residents to attend the meetings, give their input on how the town should spend their money, and outline their budget. Are you going to the meetings tonight? Are you going to any one of them? Do you want your voice to be heard? Go to them tonight. I encourage you, or feel free to call in here, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464, the News Drive at 5, welcomes your opinions, as always, here on WSIC News Talk. Following up on a tornado last month, those impacted by the severe storms that ripped through Catawba County and Iredell can officially apply for disaster relief. The U.S. Small Business Administration is helping residents and businesses affected by the January 9th severe weather in Catawba, Alexander, Burke, Caldwell, Iredell, and Lincoln counties through low-interest disaster loans. The Disaster Loan Outreach Center will be set up in the Catawba County Emergency Services Building on Government Drive in Newton from February 5th through February 19th. The building is open from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. on weekdays and from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Saturdays. More news coming out of Raleigh. The North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services distributed funds this week to county departments of social services to help improve placements for children in DSS custody who have complex behavioral needs. These critical funds come at a time when an average of 32 children are living in DSS offices each week because there is no space for them to go that is appropriate for their care. Secretary Cody Kinsley said, quote, Some children are in the care of social services, have particularly complex needs, and can get stuck waiting in emergency departments or sleeping in government offices. We are providing our county partners flexible funding to replicate and expand programs already working in pockets of the state to help ensure these children get the right care at the right time. End quote. The DSS Emergency Placement Fund is a pilot program funded by the North Carolina General Assembly in the 2023 state budget. The program provides nearly $2.3 million this year and $5.6 million next year to assist county DSS offices in creating better, more reliable placement options for children in their custody who have behavioral health needs. The funds will help to improve outcomes by preventing children and youth from having to stay in a DSS office overnight while they await placement into Medicaid-funded treatment. 
Deputy Secretary for Children and Family Well-Being Susan Osborne said, quote, We are grateful to our partners at the General Assembly for providing these funds so we can help our county DSS offices who have been using every resource they have to make sure children in their custody are safe. We all want children to have the resources and health care they need so that they can thrive. And this pilot program is one step forward in improving the lines of children in DSS care. We are about halfway home for the News Drive at 5. Stay tuned. We've got more headlines coming up as well as the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show ticket giveaway. News Drive at 5 rolls on. I'm Patrick Reynolds taking you home. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. News Drive at 5 continuing on here for this Monday, February 5th, 2024. Patrick Reynolds taking you home. Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show ticket giveaway coming up in about 10 minutes from now, right after our next commercial break. 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. We'll give you a four-pack winning tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show February 23rd, 4th, and 5th at the Park Expo and Conference Center on hand on Friday, February 23rd, and Saturday, February 24th, will be Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series, Southern Charm. So there's ticket giveaway coming up in just a few moments. Stay tuned. Back to the News Drive at 5 headlines tonight. Revisiting a story we covered shortly ago with a little bit more texture and some updates to it. Josh's Farmer's Market. Very popular uh, discussion topic in Mooresville. Well, it's one of the community's oldest and most cherished, cherished small businesses. This could be a legal business once again, as they've had a whole lot of trouble over the past few years. In the regular monthly meeting on Monday, earlier today, the commission board is expected to vote on an ordinance to allow open-air agricultural markets in an unconditional use. The indoor-outdoor agricultural markets will not be able to exceed 35,000 square feet in size, and at least a half mile must separate businesses with similar uses. Any market exceeding 10,000 square feet must have permanent structures, while smaller markets can operate only six months at a time. In February of 2022, Town of Mooresville planners effectively wrote Josh's Farmer's Market's long-standing business model out of town ordinances. In October of the same year, Josh's Farmer's Market continued to operate even after its town-issued permits had expired, and the town refused to issue further permits. Threatening hefty fines against the Lowe's YMCA where the market was situated, the town was finally able to force the market's closure on October 31, 2022. Since then, Josh's Farmer's Market has operated as outdoor seasonal sales, packing up and moving to a different property every 120 days. Now, the community has responded by voting out essentially half the town board in last November's elections. The then town manager and planner left Mooresville, too. Perhaps not surprisingly, current town board members brought differences of opinion about the proposed open-air market ordinance to this morning's agenda briefing, including whether a market should be a conditional or unconditional use, and if that designation should change based on the market size. They discussed unintended consequences, age-restricted items like CBD and marijuana, 
if that would be eventually legalized. Storage sheds, businesses being treated fairly across the board, and how big is too big for an open-air market? When uh, Mayor Chris Carney said after this morning's meeting, when you're looking at an ordinance, quote, when you're looking at an ordin- ordinance, you have to think of all the different groups that could want to use it, not just the ones already there. We have to protect our community from unwanted uses to make sure we don't get something we don't want just because we're working hard to keep something we do want in our community. He said honest dialogue in the public's eye is going to be the new norm in Mooresville. Quote, I know watching the sausage being made was painful, he said about this morning's meeting. But while any other board may have determined an outcome behind closed doors or tabled a decision when board members didn't immediately agree, Carney said, quote, we are going to be transparent with the public. Everybody in that room wanted to to see the same thing at the end of the day. It was just the parts and pieces that had to be worked out. There was nothing that the seven of us couldn't figure out together, and we didn't do it behind the public's back. Human beings don't always agree, and that's okay. It's healthy to argue a little bit, and we have a better ordinance for it. That's the way government is supposed to work. Quote from Chris Carney, mayor of Mooresville. Now, during this morning's discussion, Commissioner Gary West, who has worked closely with now Mayor Pro Tem Eddie Dingler for months on finding a potential solution to the market, expressed concern that commissioners could, quote, tweak this ordinance to the point that it's unusable. West said, this is about supporting small business and multiple businesses that also rely on Josh's Farmer's Market to put food on their table while providing a great benefit to our community. It has been a long and sometimes painful journey to get here, end quote. This afternoon, Wes said that he was proud of the board, excited for the market's future, and thankful that Carney helped push the project over the finish line. And now he said, quote, let's move forward. The board is scheduled to vote on the open air market ordinance at its regular monthly meeting on Monday, February the 5th, beginning at 6 p.m. in Town Hall. The meeting is open to the public. That is about 19 minutes from right now. So if you are a Mooresville resident and have something you'd like to contribute to that, head on over to Town Hall. They're having the meeting here at the top of the hour at 6 o'clock. In Lake Norman, anglers who enjoy fishing on the lake may soon have better odds of reeling in a trophy bass. The North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission is stocking a new hybrid bass species in Lake as well as in Jordan Lake and Lake Gaston. The bass, known as F1 hybrid bass, is a cross between largemouth bass and Florida bass. Breeders hope the hybrid bass will have hybrid vigor, meaning they'll grow faster and larger than other bass fish. Corey Oakley, assistant director of the Wildlife Council's Inland Fisheries, said, quote, F1 hybrid bass are a new tool to fisheries managers. We hope to augment and enhance our existing bass fisheries through these stockings. We hope these hybrids will increase opportunities for anglers to catch trophy bass where we stock them. The nonprofit group Bass Anglers for North Carolina Lakes is partnering with the Wildlife Conservation on the F1 Hybrid Bass Research Project and recently supplied the project with $30,000 to produce more F1 Hybrid Bass fingerlings for additional stocking. The conservation group will need to continue to stock F1 hybrids to maintain its population as their offspring are no longer F1 hybrids and do not have the hybrid vigor like their parents. 
Chuck Murray, the president of Bass Anglers from North Carolina Lakes, said, quote, we are so excited to partner with North Carolina Wildlife on this project. This is unique in that anglers can contribute and make a huge difference in stocking our lakes. We believe this project will be a success and enhance our lakes for generations to come. We believe this will give every angler, young and old, a better chance at a trophy bass on any given day. F1 hybrid bass have been stocked by the commission in Lake Norman since 2021 and began being stocked at B. Everett Jordan Reservoir in Lake Gaston last summer. They will evaluate the F1 hybrid fingerlings for persistence, growth potential, and the ability to increase the overall quality and contribution of the existing bass population. They will be collecting generic and population data from electrofishing surveys and tournament weigh-ins. Evaluations are expected to be conducted through 2030, and data will be compared across the three lakes, which have different levels of primary productivity to determine future management strategies. In Davidson, the town is pleased to announce uh, April is for arts celebration. It will be held Friday, April 26th through Sunday, April the 28th. Applications are now available online. Hard copy applications for both artists and businesses will be made available for pickup during normal business hours at the Davidson Town Hall and Community Center. Those interested in participating in the weekend's events must apply by 5 p.m. on Friday, March the 1st. The Town of Davidson encourages artists in the community to apply to display and or sell their pieces during both of the celebration events, the annually the annual gallery crawl and art on the green art on the green brings thousands of people to davidson each spring to enjoy art live music and delicious few food davidson's juried art festival features both fitted and top quality art works the news drive at five continues on we'll have more headlines and our ticket giveaway right after the break i'm patrick reynolds the news drive at five we'll talk to you right after this Welcome back to the News Drive at 5. Patrick Reynolds along for the ride with you on this Monday, February 5th, 2024, 5.48 p.m. on the East Coast. And it is ticket giveaway time right there. If you're looking on our video feeds on the WSIC social media platforms, I'm holding up the winning four-pack of tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show. Takes place February 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Park Expo and Conference Center in Charlotte. Craig Conover of Bravo's hit series Southern Charm will be appearing Friday, February 23rd, and Saturday, February the 24th. Phone lines are open. Call in and win four tickets to the Charlotte Home and Remodeling Show. 844-STUDIO-4 or 844-788-3464. 844-788-3464. Or if you'd like to share your opinion on some of the headlines tonight, we've got some towns that are gathering for talks this evening for various meetings in about 11 minutes. The Huntersville, Mooresville, uh, Cornelius, all in action tonight with uh, some of their town boards and meetings with different agendas. So I encourage you, get involved with your community. 
If you want to talk about something right here, your community radio station, 844-STUDIO-4, 844-788-3464. Recapping some of our stories from earlier in the News Drive at 5. Mooresville Police Department detectives are asking for the public's assistance in locating a runaway juvenile. Kendra Stafford, aged 15, ran away from her family on January 31st and was last seen on South Sherrill Street in Mooresville. Despite the work of Mooresville Police Department detectives, Stafford has not yet been located. Stafford is described as being 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighing approximately 135 pounds. Brown hair. Stafford will be in the Mooresville, Huntersville, or Troutman areas, likely. If you have any information about Stafford's whereabouts or if you see her, please contact the Mooresville Police Department. A Western Iredell County man suspected of playing a key role in illegal dogfighting faces 25 felony charges following an investigation by the Iredell County Sheriff's Office. Sheriff Darren Campbell announced the arrest of Claude Anthony Sanders Jr., age 46, of Whitney Lane in Statesville. The Iredell County Sheriff's Office investigators, along with members of the Sheriff's Emergency Response Team, executed a search warrant at Sanders' residence after conducting an investigation into illegal dogfighting. While executing the search warrant, investigators arrested Sanders and charged him with 24 counts of felony cruelty to animals, possession of a firearm by a convicted felon, and a misdemeanor drug charge. Investigators seized 25 dogs and located items used to train dogs to fight, medication and treatment supplies for injured dogs, marijuana, and a handgun. Campbell said, quote, the conditions that some of the dogs were found were inward deplorable. A large number of the dogs were kept in outside kennels, and most of these were covered in feces and urine. Several of the dogs had obvious scars and facial injuries from previous dogfights. There were also signs of forced breeding and various exercise equipment to develop strength and stamina, which aids in dogfighting, end quote. Sanders was transported to the Arbel County Detention Center and then taken before Magistrate Nefkin, who issued a $200,000 secured bond. According to the Arbel County Sheriff's Office, Sanders' criminal history includes the following charges. Felony larceny of a motor vehicle, misdemeanor simple worthless check, driving while license revoked, misdemeanor possession of marijuana, and felony dogfighting and baiting. In Cornelius, tonight's town board meeting will provide an early opportunity for citizens to speak out about the upcoming fiscal year 2025 town budget. The new budget will cover the 12 months beginning July 1st, 2024, and ending June 30th, 2025. It will fund town operational and capital projects throughout the year. Operational costs are those that recur annually, such as salaries and recreational programs. Capital projects are large expenditures that may not recur annually, such as building a road. At the beginning of the annual budget development process, the town holds a public session to allow citizens to formally provide their input. Town Manager Andrew Grant said the session provides an opportunity for taxpayers to influence the budget process before the draft budget has been developed. Property owners in Cornelius fund the budget mostly with property taxes. Generally, the town tax comprises about a third 
of the total property tax bill, with the remainder being county taxes. Also during this evening's meeting, the commissioners are expected to adopt a townwide resolution declaring f- Friday or Feb- February as Black History Month. A large number of special activities are planned during February. The town board meeting will take place at Town Hall on Catawba Avenue beginning at 6 p.m. It will also be live streamed on the town website at Cornelius.org. That is a little under six minutes from now. The town meeting should get underway. A man was shot and killed by a Cherryville police officer after he allegedly assaulted officers on Sunday afternoon. A department press release said officers who were responding to a civil disturbance call near West 2nd Street confronted the man who was allegedly causing a disturbance while walking down the road. The man fought the two officers, assaulting one of them several times before grabbing a pipe. An officer on the scene fired off a single shot. The suspect was taken to a nearby hospital from the scene by Gaston Emergency Medical Services, where he was pronounced dead. The department said the suspect's name is being withheld until next of kin has been notified. The State Bureau of Investigation is now investigating the incident, the release and said, and the officers involved have been placed on administrative duties pending the completion of the investigation. In Raleigh, eligible North Carolinians who want to cast their ballot in person on primary election day, which is Tuesday, March the 5th, must register to vote by Friday, February the 9th. That is the end of this week. February 9th is also the deadline for registered voters to change their party affiliation before the primary. Under state law, the regular voter registration deadline is 25 days before an election. Individuals who miss the deadline may register and vote during the in-person early voting period, which runs from February 15th through March the 2nd at any early voting site in their county. These same-day registrants must attest to their eligibility and provide proof of where they live. North Carolina residents may not register to vote on Election Day unless they become eligible after the February 9th registration deadline due to becoming a U.S. citizen or having their rights restored following a felony conviction. We are at 5.56 p.m. East Coast time. News Drive at 5, wrapping up as we head towards the top of the hour. But don't change that dial or go anywhere because we are going to have all of the sports update. The sports world will be wrapped up. Joe Berg will be with us to host that, and he's also running the audio for the News Drive at 5 right now. So very easy commute for you into the studio and the office. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing wonderful. Much better than uh, late last week, that's for sure. <laughs> you had a little, uh, <laughs> yeah, as you turn away from the mic and hack up along. <laughs> yeah, I had a little illness last week. Good to see you're back on your feet. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you always, what what do you got coming up for us on the scoreboard? Now, I'll, you know what? Let me. I, what do you got coming up for us on the scoreboard? I'll stop talking. You go ahead. We have massive massive breaking news as of less than an hour ago mm. regarding the NCAA. Okay. That's about all I'll say because all right. I want everybody to tune in because this is big news. And, I mean, this is going to change the course of a lot of things with college, not only football, basketball, but every every sport under NCAA. So. It's kind of making me want to tune in. You might, <laughs> you might want to. This I think is, that was the idea. This is big. 
Okay. So that's going to be probably your biggest it's, story, easy. I had so many things laid out that I was ready to talk about. The clash was la- was moved up a whole day. I mean, there was so much mm. that went on. And then 20 minutes ago, 30 minutes ago, I get this uh, breaking news story, and I'm like, hey, well, there goes my show. <laughs> Are you? Uh, do you have other stories, or is, is this big enough? Where it's going to take up the entire scoreboard. It could. It definitely yeah. could. It'll probably take up a, a, a good chunk of the scoreboard. Okay. Uh, but we do want to keep to the tradition of doing the local sports also. So we're going to start out with that. Okay. And then we're going to go into some college basketball because we had a big game between a yes. couple of local rivals. Yes. And uh, I lost a bet to a caller, unfortunately. <laughs> so uh, that, that that's not going to be fun, but it is going to be fun, but... Uh, yeah, we got a lot coming up. I'm excited. Where do you consider Duke UNC in sports rivalries? It, 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 I, I don't know if I should comment on that. I'm asking because you, I grew up in the Northeast. Yep. you know it's like okay, college now, basketball rivalries. They they don't do it for me. I okay. mean, it's cool to watch, but I just like. Yeah, okay, it's just college sports, like, yeah, what, what's so special about it? Mm-hmm. But I've learned to like it. I just don't rank it up there in rivalry. Okay. You know? Interesting. I always even, I grew up in the Northeast as well, and I always thought that Duke UNC was a big deal anyway. I, I mean, it does play nationally, but it's just like, I don't know, the uh, the college sports to me, it took a while for it to become part of my radar. And look at you now. Yeah. You now we're going to break a massive now, college Now you're the guru story. with breaking news. Yeah, who would have thought? I know. I'm going to tune in. I want to hear what's going on. Sounds good. The scoreboard with Joe Berg is coming up at the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. News Drive at 5. We'll be back tomorrow, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Patrick Reynolds saying good night. We'll see you tomorrow.